Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up July 14th through the 16th in Colorado in the foothills of the majestic Rocky Mountains. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're so glad to have you here with us. Uh, my name is Jonathan, and I'm actually really excited uh, this week because we get to bring in our very own director of our Pure Community Ministry, John Fort, who we've got on the line with us. So, John, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is going to be fun because uh, I want to just dive right in because I really feel like uh, there's so much that John could uh, can share with us on this topic of parenting for purity in the 21st century. And uh, first, though, John, what I'd love for you to be able to do is, because I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with you personally, uh, lots of them are familiar, I think, with Pure Community. We promote it a lot on the on the radio program because of all the, the resources that are available throughout the entire uh, website. But I'd love for you to just take a few minutes and just kind of share with our listeners uh, who you are, a little bit of your background and story, and just kind of what's, what uh, got you involved in uh, purity ministry. Yeah, well, I grew up, um, my dad was a, a pastor and later in denominational ministry, so I grew up in a home where we went to church every week, every time the door was opened. Um, we talked about God and the Bible all the time in the house, but at nine years old I was exposed to pornography when a bunch of friends found their dad's stash, and that led to, and then some other older teenagers um, kind of influenced me sexually in ways that were extremely inappropriate. Um, but people just didn't talk about that stuff then. So um, my preteen and teen years were highly involved in pornography and even um, some sexual acting out behaviors because I had no, no, no one to guide me any other way. And that was a a big issue with my uh, spiritual formation was is here I'm wrestling with trying desperately to to please God, but at the same time had this part of my life that was completely contrary. But right? I didn't have anybody really to talk about that with. Mm. Uh, when I when I grew up and got married, um, that none of that had been dealt with. I had a serious pornography problem and things. And um, my other one of the other interviews we've done with me in the past goes more in detail than that, but I nearly lost my family and completely destroyed, uh, should have destroyed my life, but um, began counseling and all this other kind of thing to uh, to deal with that. Um, fast forward a long time, 
and I ended up in doing purity ministry. I worked for an organization in Oregon called Pure Life Alliance for seven years, and they run a large network of support groups for men and women and spouses, um, and eventually worked where I was the head of training for the leaders. They have a lot of leaders support groups and doing the training. And my son, when my son turned around 10 or so, I began to realize that the landscape had changed so much. The nature of pornography had changed so much. I knew that he didn't have a chance without a lot of outside help to develop any kind of healthy sexual sense of sexuality at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and But he was a kid. He was not an addict. He, you know, I, I didn't think he had seen porn at that time yet. And it's like, well, I, even though I have all this training by this point and how to work with men and I'd work with hundreds and hundreds of men uh, dealing with their porn addictions. Um, I had no idea what to say to him, you know? So, um, but I knew I had to. So we began talking about things and um, working with and sort of developing a way to do uh, what I would call parent child accountability. How do, how do I help him? How do we make it okay to talk about anything? Um, And, um, uh, that that's always an awkward conversation to start uh, with. But um, in time, I found he had an easier time talking about it than I did. And this is interesting, is kids, once they realize it's safe, they're usually okay if the parents have the problem. Mm-hmm. Even, even someone like me, who had years and years by then of experience dealing with this on a daily basis uh, at a professional level. Um, yeah, let's anyway, ta- let's um, let's talk about that for just a second because I, I I do want you to get you know continue on there, but I think it's important for us to to highlight that you know here you were as somebody who was you know not only did you have a, a long history of personal recovery, but then you were now in a vocation that was dealing specifically with helping others break free from sexual brokenness and sexual strongholds and things, and you were feeling a profound sense of awkwardness and difficulty in approaching your own child with this issue. So how does that then yeah. translate to just everybody else in the culture who may not have a personal recovery story or be in a vocation? I mean, how much right, more, right. more more pressure does the quote-unquote average parent feel? Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting because I've been working with parents now for, for a few years, and um, it's not necessarily the parents don't want to talk, but they're afraid to talk, and they just need some help getting started, Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. Once you kind of get started, I was actually working with a a father and son right now, and uh, the first meeting, um, the dad said, wow, I have never talked about this in my life with anyone. And, um, uh, you know, this particular dad has said, you know, when he was younger, he did have a problem with porn, but he doesn't anymore as a, at, at his age now. Um, and he, But he said, I've never talked about this stuff with anyone before, and I thought it would be hard. He goes, this really isn't so bad, you know. And then his son, of course, um, after about a half an hour, completely opened up. And so the uh, it's it's once you get going, it's not that bad. It's just that fear of, I've never talked about this with anybody, much less my own kid. But um, that is, uh, yeah, that's something that you see. Mm-hmm. So then, so then, after you started having these conversations with your son, kind of, where did things go from that point in terms of realizing maybe there's maybe there's something here 
not just for me and my son, but maybe something coming out of this that could help others as well. Right. So how that happened was there's a, a conference up here in the Pacific Northwest called Higher Ground, which is a men's conference and later became a father-son conference for boys 13 years old and older. And um, so I was going to that and speaking there about different things and began to realize no one was actually saying, what are you supposed to say to your kid, to your son or your daughter? It, it, they, they were talking about in this very kind of high level, but I'm realizing you you really, no one's, and, and so I t- asked them, do you want me and my son to come and just, we'll show them what we do. And that's how this started. Um, and he was 15 or 16 at the time. And so that, we, we've been doing that. Uh, he's about to turn 19. But, um, uh, so since, since he was 15 or 16, we together talk a lot um, to parents, to dads in particular. But, um, I mean, I also, you know, director of peer community. Peer community is a networking um, ministry, and so I'm working with other ministries all over the country. And so um, I began talking with some of the people who this is what they do is talk with to parents. So well, Laura Gallier in Texas, Jenny Bishop in Florida, and Kristen Jensen in Washington. These are all people who this is what they do. And I began to find that there was a, a big vacuum. Uh, a lot of these resources are for younger kids, kids before they're teenagers, and the, most of the ones that are for older than teens are for girls. And there was this, there just was nothing for like 12 and up boys that, that, that seemed to really have the kind of uh, stuff that, that my son and I were doing explained. Um, and so that came out of a book, Father, Son, Accountability, which he wrote. And um, then later began to, that blew up and became even this bigger uh, book, workbook we're working on. Um, uh, called Parenting for Purity in the 21st Century that is ages 5 to 18 boys and girls together and it's been a collaborative project we've done with people across the country. Um, the basis, this is, let me back up just a second. When I started my recovery uh, 21 years ago um, with counseling and stuff, the counselor immediately noticed, noticed that I had shut down my emotions. Um, I had you know, you probably talk about this on the show all the time. I use pornography and that kind of thing to not feel unpleasant emotions I didn't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, I didn't, I could tell you I'm mad or I'm sad, but other than that, I couldn't really, you know, I, I, I had a hard time really knowing what I was feeling because I didn't let myself feel. And so much of my early recovery was, um, regaining a sense of what actually are you feeling and not running away from it. Well, my wife uh, also went to counseling, and um, she's sort of the opposite. She's kind of a hyper-emotional person, um, but she realized that it was still the same, is that she might feel these really strong emotions, but she may not be really clear about what it is she's feeling. She feels very, you know, frightened or anxious or, or really sad or depressed, but having a hard time, you know, I feel betrayed or I feel frustrated or I feel uh, affirmed or, you know, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the specific right. kind of thing. I'm saying. So both my wife and I, starting 21 years ago, started working on what are we feeling? <laughs> and so our talking together. So with our kids, this is way before I was even thinking about accountability. When they were little, little kids, we started working with helping them understand what are you feeling right now? Um, and we didn't realize it, but that was the backbone of, of the accountability stuff. Um, and so that's much of what I'm doing now with parents is 
helping them work with their kids to learn what actually are you feeling, which that looks different at age 5 or 10 or 13 or 15, and then um, what kind of conversations do you need to have to work through that stuff, um, and then what kind of conversations do you need to have about sexuality. So the whole, I guess if you boiled it all down, the main thing that we work with parents now with is emotional awareness and um, uh, cleansing through relationship, we call it. So let's let's talk for a little bit because I want to get into that a little uh, uh, some what that what that means um, in in a minute. But why don't you help the parents who are listening just c- kind of understand the difference maybe in the landscape today that parents are facing when we're when we're talking about um, sexual temptation and sexual brokenness and and just the where the culture is versus let's say when you and I might have been kids. 25, 30 years ago, you know, it's just when we were younger. Um, What's the difference between 30 years ago and today in terms of what parents are facing in raising their kids to live a life of sexual purity? Pornography, when I was a kid, was mostly in the form of magazines. Um, I mean, there were, I guess, videos around, but it was hard to see and hard to find somebody who had, you know, um, I I was never exposed to any of that growing up, Uh, just magazines. And the magazines were still, and so like if you had a magazine, you know, if somebody had a subscription to a magazine, which I didn't, but you're only going to get one every month, and so that's all you got to look at for a month. And there's not a lot of variety. Um, so you get bored of it, you'd look at it for a while, and okay, you know, or maybe you'd look at it more than once, but it, 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 was, it was awful still. Today, pornography is mostly in video format, or off, a lot of it is. And when a kid accesses it online, it's not one set of pictures for a month. It's a seemingly infinite number of images and videos of different people. You can't, it doesn't ever stop. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, the access is much higher. It's much easier to get a hold of. It's easier to keep it secret than it used to be. Your mom, you know, you can hide it easier than hiding a physical magazine. It, it's more, there's a lot more of it and it's what they call endlessly novel. In other words, our brains are wired for novelty, for something new. And when you combine sex with something new and never-ending, it, it just becomes incredibly addictive. And it's really difficult. It's not fair to expect a kid on their own to be able to say, well, I'm not going to look at that, because their brains are wired to want to look at that. And, so, um, and, and then also it's much more violent. Um, it has become violent and degrading, which then is traumatic for a kid. So if a kid before opened a Playboy, there's a naked or partially naked lady there, okay? Now they're going to see um, simulated rape and things like this on, on, on video when they, when they open up a computer, and that's traumatic to them. So they're mixing sex mm-hmm. and trauma together. Um, and so we're, I have had a number of therapists tell me that they're treating kids who have been exposed to pornography and their symptoms are the same as if they had been abused Mm -hmm. um, because it still creates a similar kind of trauma, uh, traumatic uh, sexual experience. And so um, it's just a completely different ballgame. So now I can can picture so many of our listeners out there, uh, you know, parents, maybe moms especially, who maybe this is the first time they've heard this kind of information and they're – 
you know, their eyebrows are getting raised, their their heart rate is getting up, they've got a lump in their throat, they're they're on the verge of a you know panic attack uh, of hearing this kind of information. What are some, how are some ways that you can help those parents to be able to say that you you have what it takes to help your child through this? Because I think so many times the the fear that not only the the landscape of the culture creates in a parent, but then the own personal history that a parent might have of their own brokenness and and failure to you know perfectly manage their own sexuality those two things combined can often just paralyze parents in in the sense of saying i don't think uh, i don't have what it takes to guide my kid through this and so then maybe a lot of times they think i've got to immediately just throw my kid to an outside counselor or you know, not not saying that those things can't be necessary at certain times but i think sometimes parents lack the sense of confidence that they are the ones to help their child through this this stage right right See, over and over again, parents, uh, when parents reach out for help uh, to me, they want a counselor to send their kid to. And most of the time, that's not necessary, okay? But the, and second, it's a poor alternative to the parent talking to the kid themselves. Here's the reality of it. Any parent, um, it is the failures and flaws of the parent that qualify them to be the person to talk to their kid. If a father has never experienced the draw of pornography or given into it, never in their life, then that's a really bad example to be talking to his son. Because the son feels it, and his son needs to know, yes, I know where you're coming from. I've been there. Um, and so this is, it's actually... If you had a parent who just never, ever struggled with sexuality, which I'm not sure that exists, but if you had a parent that never did, that's not going to be very helpful to the kid. It's the fact that the parent has had, that we as parents have had our own failures and mess-ups in our past in one way or the other, maybe the opposite, maybe a brokenness, maybe a fear of sex. Um, It doesn't make any difference. It's that brokenness that that qualifies us to talk to our kids because Mm -hmm. then our kids... um, uh, they're they're drawn to that. They're drawn to I I know your pain kind of thing. If that well, makes sense. and and as I hear that, I I can imagine there's a lot of people because I think this is natural for us to say that that doesn't that doesn't sound right. That doesn't feel right. It seems like no, I should what I should show my child is is my strength and show them my my flawlessness and show them you know all this kind of stuff that we would. We want our kids to aspire to, and and it's kind of like the the thing that I think of, especially from uh, you know a Christian perspective, is this idea of when the Apostle Paul uh, was talking about actually boasting in his weaknesses because it's in his weaknesses that the power of Christ is made perfect, and so therefore when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So there's this idea of saying, as a parent, that one of the best things you can do is, if I can put it in these terms, is lead from your weakness. Not saying that we are aiming for weakness, but it's a reality of life. And if we lead yeah. from our weakness, then we are able to guide our child further towards yeah. you know greater integrity. So in other words, right. it's not saying that parents, we're expecting you and hoping that you are continuing to drown in pornography yourself. No. What we're saying <laughs> is, is we hope every single parent is on their own growth mission of continuing to pursue greater integrity 
But that doesn't mean that you present to your child as if you already have everything figured out and you had no history of brokenness and no no way of identifying with wherever your child is in that process. Yeah. It, it, the reality is today we are so surrounded by sexuality and sexual misinformation and pornography that none of us go unscathed. We're, you might put it kind of crassly, we're slimed all the time by stuff. And that affects us, whether we want it to or not, um, whether it's you're watching TV or a movie, is the stuff comes that you weren't expecting, and it does affect us. Um, and so all of us need to process this, and we do that through talking. Um, and so it's not, it, we are on the same journey our kids are. That's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And so telling our child, look, you are becoming an adult now, and I'm going to let you enter into adult conversation with me, and we together are going to work on this. It's not me teaching you what I have mastered. It's we're doing this together. I remember um, uh, my son was 14 years old, and um, I had messed up. I had gotten involved in sexual fantasy. I had let sexual fantasy take get carried away too far in my head, and um, I didn't want to tell him because I wanted to present this example of somebody, and I thought he would disrespect me and say, "Well, pff, I'm not. If you if you if you can't deal with this, forget. It. I'm not even going to try." But I had this sense. I think it was God saying, "You have to tell him." And so I remember telling him, and I was so embarrassed. And his response was to let out a huge sigh and say, "I'm so glad I'm not the only one." Mm. And so the fact is, when we mess up ourselves as parents and tell our kids, that's one of the strongest things, motivation for them to keep trying. I know that sounds weird. It's just reality. And um, when they feel like we're doing this together, it makes them feel more grown up. It makes them feel, um, uh, you know, it, 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 this is one of the ways, I'm talking all about my son, but we talked with my daughter about a lot of things too. Um, the, the reality of it is this makes them feel like we're respecting them with sensitive information. Mm-hmm. Um, it was talking about this kind of thing that began opening our relationship to a deeper level. I had a dad, um, him and his son came to one of the things my son and I spoke at, and his son was only 13 years old at the time, and they were like, wow, this is like some pretty intense stuff you guys are talking about. But he went home and started talking with his son, and he wrote me back and said, I have never felt this deeper relationship with my son ever mm. until this point. So the reality of this is, this is an inroad into a depth of relationship that many parents and children just don't have. And so there's huge uh, positive side effects of this. And it, are you going to get it all right? No. My daughter is turning uh, 22 in a couple of weeks, and I think there are some things that we said and we did with her that, probably weren't the best. They felt like the best thing at the time. But the neat thing about it is, is now as a young adult, we're talking about that stuff and admitting, yeah, we tried and we were doing the best we can. And that probably wasn't the best approach to take. (laughs) And, um, but you see the fact that we can even have that conversation. It's not about you doing everything right. It's that you're just doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, and and, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, an important thing to say with your kids is, I do not know if this is the best way to do it. I just know we have to do something. Mm-hmm. And that's in, what, in, in other words, yeah. 
Well, that's where I feel we've got about five minutes left, and I really want to be able to provide these parents with, uh, you know, what would, you know, you've got parents out there, maybe they're realizing, yeah, man, it's, I don't have conversation with my kids about this. I'm, I have recognized the culture we're living in and the challenges that we're facing. Help those parents know, um, give them some first steps. I mean, what are some first steps that they can take in a practical way to begin engaging these types of conversations with their their kids? It depends on the age of the kid, of course. Um, I never talk about the mechanic, you know, like how do you teach the mechanics of sex kind of stuff. There's a million great books out there. Um, just find something and, and somebody else uses it for, for that kind of stuff. Um, I would say a great way to start is to talk about feelings. Um, if their kids are young, get one of these feelings charts that have a whole bunch of faces on it and it says, and help them, and kind of, it can be kind of a game. It's like, you know, which one are you feeling when you see your kid? Talk about your own feelings. Tell your own stories. As they get older and you want to start talking about the, the sexual stuff and pornography and that kind of thing, again, there's a lot of great resources on how to talk to your kids about pornography um, out there. But then the main thing is tell your own story first. When you realize it's time to talk about this, you open the conversation with your own story. Let me tell you about the first time I saw pornography. Um, and I know you're going to see this sometime, and I want you to tell me about it, and it's okay. Um, it, 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 it's, I, the, kid, the child may not want to see it, and somebody just throws something in front of their face. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay for us to talk about that and talk about how we feel. So that, that's, I would say, you know, talk, the emotions, this is a huge, that's really important um, to talk about how you're feeling. And maybe a parent, I don't, you don't even know yourself. Well, you learn together. That's okay. Um, and then second is as you're talking about this stuff, tell your own story first mm. um, about everything. And then you work on things together. Yeah, and so some, of the, some of what I'm hearing you say there that I think is is always the challenge then for the parent is, you you have to be willing to uh, have a level of vulnerability about your own, uh, you know. So I think a lot of times parents are looking for some some kind of instruction that says, "Hey, give me a tool, give me a resource, give me a tips, essentially that I can just kind of shove in my kid's face and say, here, do yeah. this.'" And what what I'm hearing you yeah. say is, no, it's the personal relationship of you divulging things and sharing things of your personal story that is going to be the most powerful in terms of building that foundation of trust for right. being able to have a voice into your child's life about really important things like sexual purity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, think about it this way. My generation, um, largely, I mean, I'm certainly not everybody, most parents were not vulnerable to their children. My parents, parents I knew, uh, my friends, put up this wall of, you know, this is what I say, so you're going to do it, and we're not going to talk about it. Um, that did not leave us uh, feeling incredibly emotionally attached to our parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, when, we, when parents are vulnerable, what it does is allows the kid, it, it creates a bond that's just far stronger. Kids today um, are much more attached to their parents than in the previous generation, because in general, we are becoming more vulnerable with our kids. But... Um, we need to take it a step further in, in including this part of our lives. Yeah, and I think the vulnerability is is needs to be a springboard towards growth and integrity, not vulnerability just for the sake of saying, hey, look at us, we're all broken, 
and then stopping there. Right. It's like, well, we do that to springboard to, and how can we grow and how can we get better? I want to share with our listeners two websites, and I want you to take a little bit of time of just being able to um, uh, help the listeners understand the value of both of these websites. One is our website, purecommunity.org. And the other one is pureconsult.org. And can you share with our listeners what both of those websites are about and, and what information they can find there? Yeah. Yeah, so Pure Communities is a directory of resources. And in there is a material section, which is books. And they have books for parents and books for kids, along with men and women and everything else. Um, and so that's kind of books. If, if you're like, where is this list of things to get to? That's a place to start. Pure Consult is... Um, that's if a parent or even a church wants to have someone to start a group um, talking about how to do this um, or direct help, um, and that's where you would go. And um, if you're, it can be if you live in my neck of woods, which could face to face. Otherwise, we can do it by Skype or something like that. Um, and that's working with parents to help them um, know how to start these conversations. Sometimes it's literally the parents are there, the kids are there. I ask the parent a question, then the parent. Answers it to the kid, and there the conversation got started. And so, so basically, when parents are like, how do I even get started? That's really all it's for. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's not so much teaching stuff, although we do in peer consult, we do teach the kinds of things we need to be talking about, and we talk about the emotional awareness and all that. And I would strongly encourage you out there, if you are part of a church or, or in ministry somewhere, uh, that's a great way, too, for churches and ministries to understand. You know, And you, you're in a ministry that deals with parents, and, and it's a great way for churches then to understand, hey, how do we start this maybe as a, as a, a way to minister to our, our parents of, of helping them then know how to get these conversations started with their kids. Well, John, I'm, I'm so grateful that you were with us. And uh, man, it's always good stuff. And listeners, go to purecommunity.org or pureconsult.org, and uh, you can get all kinds of information there. But John, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. And listeners, we're glad that you were with us. and We look forward to having you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.